Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to the first episode of Candid Catholic Convos of 2024. So how are you doing with your New Year's resolution? Yep, I went there. We're officially one week into 2024, and just a few short nights ago, we felt joyful, we rejoiced, and optimistically declared that this year, we would become the best version of ourselves. But if you've already messed up on your New Year's resolution, guess what? You're in good company. According to a study conducted by the University of Scranton, just 8% of people actually achieve their New Year's goals, while around 80% fail to keep their resolutions. And a new poll of 2,000 Americans found that it takes just 32 days for the average person to finally break their resolutions, with 68% report giving up their resolutions even sooner than that. In fact, according to Forbes, the second Friday in January is officially known as Quitter's Day, the day that most Americans will have quit their New Year's resolutions. That's because resolutions rarely lead to the transformation we're longing for. Why is that? Is it because we have terrible willpower? Maybe we didn't have a grand enough vision? Or maybe it's because we didn't have a solid plan? If you have lofty goals for 2024, especially if they center around health and wellness, like more than half the population, I want you to really lean into this episode. Because today I'm chatting with Erin Nicole Cup, an author and expert on theology of the body, about the theology of moving your body to honor God, managing disordered eating, and committing to true overall wellness of the mind, body, and spirit. Erin, thank you so much for joining me on Canon Catholic Convos today. It is a brand new year. I am super excited to just kind of dive into this. Um, so if you don't mind, would you mind telling me a little bit about yourself? Not at all. Um, of course, this is the question that I am the least excited to talk about, but... <laughs> it's always the hardest one to answer, right. too, right? It's like, what, what version do you want? The cliff notes or the, you know, it's like, let me Anyway, um, my name's Erin McColcup. Um, I am a lay Dominican, and um, I came back to the church when I was about 18. Uh, no, that's when I came back to Christ, and then by, by the time I was 19, I was Catholic again. Um, in that time, I have struggled with coming to terms with childhood trauma, which is hugely instrumental, for lack of a better term, in um, my developing an eating disorder. And as a result of that eating disorder, I gained 100 pounds, oh, actually over a little over 100 pounds, and was working so hard at getting closer to God in my faith and, you know, praying and reading all these theology books. I had a theology book in one hand and a bag of chips in the other a lot of the times. <laughs> so um, that was just God laying the rails for him to heal me, not just in my mind, but in my heart and in my body. And as a result of all of that, um, I came to 
recovery for my eating disorder. Um, and over the course of a couple of years, lost the hundred pounds and I've kept it off ever since. And I'm living in food freedom. And um, it's the kind of thing that if I don't share that with other people, don't make that available to other people, when I get to my soul review, it's not going to go well. Mm. So I kind of feel duty bound to make this as accessible as possible to people, this knowledge of not just head knowledge, but the heart knowledge as well of uh, how much God wants to heal us, body, heart, mind, and soul, and all the things he has in store for us. I love that because I feel like I feel like a lot of that is is so gatekept anymore. So I love that you're you're being open and forthright and just sharing it with everyone because because you're right. I think there's there's that disconnect between we think that it's it's just the body. So we focus on just the body and not the other things that go with it. And I'm so glad that you talked about um, being in recovery and your struggles with weight because, you know, it's a brand new year. Everybody uses this as a benchmark for new beginnings. Mm -hmm. And I read a statistic that this year, roughly 48% of people are resolving to exercise more. 32% are resolving to eat healthier. And another 34% want to lose weight, which is actually kind of low from last year. I remember reading the statistics last year. It was much higher. So I think, it, but I think it's safe to say that a lot of us are focusing on how we look and feel this year, but maybe not so much, like you were saying, the why behind it. I was reading in your biography that you um, have a lot of experience and knowledge on John Paul II's teachings of theology of the body. How do those play into how we should take care of our bodies? Well, it's funny because the theology of the body tends to get cast as this four-year-long chastity talk. And it's so much more than that. <laughs> I always thought it was like, oh, that's just for married people. Right. That's the sex talk. Like right. nobody it's, does. We don't. It's the sex thing. Yeah. Right? But it's not. It's the sex thing, but only because it's the body thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, going back to your statistics of the thirty-four percent who want to lose weight, if all of the, that percentage did lose weight, eighty percent of those would gain it back. Mm. Why? Why do we gain it back? And it's not because we're stupid. It's not because we don't know how to. You know, generally, especially by the time you get to my age, you know what to do to nourish your body healthily um, and in a lively way. But there's a disconnect between what our brains know is good for us. I'm going to get into neurology here. So let me see if I can <laughs> simplify this. Um, what our, our upper brains know is right for us, but then our more emotional instinctual brains are just made to keep us alive in the moment. They're not made to think long-term. And changing any habit, whether it's away from street drugs or street tacos, that's long-term. And the so the why behind why we go to our addictions, compulsions, and unhealthy attachments, for me, it's mostly food, um, it was way more important than what I'm supposed to eat. I knew I had to exercise. I knew I had to eat you know, different portions and different foods and all that other stuff. And I had done it before over and over and over again. And I gained it all back over and over and over again. Why was I in that cycle? It was because I hadn't made that connection that the theology of the body illustrates for us so clearly. We weren't made to have a relationship with food. We were made to have a relationship with persons, with the personal, with God, with each other. Um, the challenge is that this is a fallen world. You know, theology of the body says, you know, we are fallen but redeemed. Um, the fallen part says that where do we get hurt the most? It's the people. 
it's not the stuff. So who are we going? Where are we going? Who are we going to go to? Where are we going to go to feel safe? It's not going to be the people, not without a huge heart change and a huge leap in trust in God himself. And until we can really trust him that we will be okay, heart, mind, body, and soul, no matter how uncomfortable we feel, no matter what cross we're on right now, we're, we're just going to keep going back to the stuff because that's what I did. And I see it over and over again in my clients. And when I see that change happen, when I saw that change happen in myself, and now that I'm seeing it happen in other people, it's just mind-blowing that this, of course this works. Of course this works because it's just the theology of the body. It's just turning our attachment from stuff to the personal. It's just becoming what we were originally made to be. I love that you referenced that food can also be an addiction because I think when people think addiction, they automatically go to drugs and alcohol and cigarettes, not realizing that food can also be an unhealthy coping mechanism. It's not just fuel. It becomes how we avoid and I think that that's that's so powerful that it's and, and it sounds simple. It sounds like you just flip a switch, but it, it clearly is not that simple, is it? No, it's not. I forget who generated the phrase, the neurons that fire together wire together. Hmm. So it's sort of like if you imagine your brain as a jungle and you've beaten a path from pain to comfort. And you've beaten that path down, you know, first with you know, your machete, your metaphorical machete, and then walking it over and over and over and over again, getting a path from pain to connection is going to take a different route. And that has not been paved yet. That has not been cleared. So it takes a lot of energy, not just to cut a new path, to blaze a new trail, but to ignore the easier one that you've been using, in my case, for decades it takes a whole mindset shift and a connection between mind and body and an ability to, you know, I call it hanging on the cross long enough to get to the resurrection hmm. um, because that's really what any temptation it is. It, whether you're tempted to use your phone when, you know, you really should be in mass, I don't know, um, or you're tempted to go to the refrigerator when you should really be doing your work, it's still a, a temptation to use the easier well-worn path and creating a new path takes time and energy and flexibility and humility and all of these virtues it takes faith hope and love you know faith that it's possible to live a different life hope that doing things differently could work and then love enough to trust god to be willing to reach out to our neighbors even though they're scary and to be willing to love ourselves enough to stay on the cross long enough that we are worth the cross that's a lot that's a lot and you can't flip a switch well i mean god could flip a switch and if that happens to be you know anybody listening hooray for you but that was not for me <laughs> in fact this, this is something this is a path that i have to you know keep clearing every moment of every day and i'm okay with that i'm okay with that because n number one it took me over 40 years to get to that point where, you know, I was eight, had the strength, really. God had given me the strength. I'm not going to take a lot of credit for it. And the tools to, you know, cut a new path. But, you know, that old path is pretty wide and easy. And this life is hard. Very. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's totally understandable that we would 
you know, want to stay with our addictions, our compulsions and our unhealthy attachments because they feel good in the moment. It's hard to imagine making the choice that will help us feel better three hours from now when we want to feel better now. Mm. And that's, you know, how it's just an image of being on the cross long enough to get to get to the resurrection. I mean, Jesus had to hang on until the very end, until it is finished. And, you know, so often I, I would hang on until I would see the, you know, container of cookies and go to that until it was finished. Um, that was my way. <laughs> but thankfully, that's not my way anymore. There's a way out. I love that you mentioned that it's 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 a game of patience. It's it's pl- you have to be willing to play the long game. Like you said, hang on till till the resurrection, because I think so often we get trapped in this all or nothing mentality of, uh, well, I already had one cookie, so I may as well just finish the whole thing because I already screwed up. So I'm just going to like go all the way. You know, I already screwed up for today. That means I can't get better when, in fact, you have choices throughout the day. You can the next choice could be a better choice. Or we think that, you know, life is like Instagram where (laughs) you can do a transition and all of a sudden you go from being you know, overweight to fit and healthy and having this perfect image. And I and I want to kind of keep going down the Instagram path because I feel like in the social media health and fitness space, there's a real push and pull, um, especially with those who subscribe to body positivity or body confidence, which is like feeling comfortable in your own skin, no matter what your size is. And those who believe that that type of thinking is unhealthy and it's contributing to the rise of obesity. What does the church say about our relationship with our bodies? Well, the catechism of the Catholic Church points out that and, you know, Aquinas points it out and the theology of the body points it out. Um, and it you know, has proven out in my experience and the experience of so many of my clients that our culture tries to tell us that we are these like souls poured into these body shaped jars when really we are souls with bodies bodies ensouled and embodied souls and it, it, like we can't take the two apart it's sort of um all, all the thomists out there are gonna like you know send me emails because i'm gonna get this wrong but <laughs> my dominican name is saint thomas aquinas so come on brother help me out here um there's you know the, in the sacraments we talk about it you know pretty regularly there's form and matter there's the matter that the stuff that is used and the form the stuff you do with what is used And that's those things work together to create, you know, for God to create a sacrament and for us to participate in it. And in that way, if we look at our bodies as sacramentals, I mean, St. John Paul II says that um, the body and only the body is capable of making visible the invisible, the spiritual and the divine. Like our bodies are here to show things that we can't see. Like our, our bodies are like the ink for the word of God. And so they matter. And yet the reason I called my program, my first program filled with good is because, you know, Mary in the Magnificat says um, the hunger he has filled with good things and we're all hungry for something. And whatever your shape or size is today, you are already filled with good because you're already made in the image and likeness of God. And God loves you so much 
that he wants you to be full of life even here, even now in this fallen world. Now, going back to how hard it is, God is, our God is not uncompassionate. He knows how hard it is. And he, like, I'm very confident, faithful that he knew how hard it was for me all of those years to try and try and try and fail and fail and fail and think that I had failed him and that I did not love him enough. And now that, you know, I've gone through the process of really getting that love of God from my intellect down into my heart, I'm able to live it in my body much more. Um, and also, even though like, you know, I've, I've lost a hundred pounds, I've, you know, totally, you know, revamped how I do life. And yet you could look at me and say, well, she's not, you know, she's not bikini material or whatever. If the point of weight loss or health seeking is so that we can satisfy human opinion, we're always going to fail because human opinion is always changing. Whereas if our goal, I think, to is to live God's life most wholly and fully and image God's love for humanity most wholly in all we think, feel, and do, then that's just going to show whether it's, you know, showing in how one walks away from, say, an addiction like porn or how one walks away from an addiction like popcorn. You know, it's it's all the same mechanism in the brain. And the end result is hopefully not about how I'm going to look in a bathing suit. It's how I'm going to live in heaven. And so for those people who, you know, are approaching the idea of, you know, shaking a compulsion towards food only because you want to, I don't know, look good for somebody's wedding, uh, I think you're kind of missing the point. Because even if you, quote unquote, look good for somebody's wedding, there's always going to be some fallen person out there who's going to find something to complain about. Right. So... <laughs> You know, if if you're looking for, you know, likes on Instagram, you're 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 going to be disappointed. I kind of want to piggyback off of that for a minute because I feel like there's a really fine line between honoring and taking care of our bodies and obsession and preoccupation. And like we said, for pure vanity, where we strive so hard for perfection. I mean, we see it everywhere. It's it's on magazines. It's shows aimed at contestants who can lose the most weight. And putting all of our emphasis in our physical bodies, like you said, rather than our spiritual bodies. But if they're if they're connected, how do we make sure that they're both healthy? And again, walk that fine line between because I feel like you could eventually become obsessed with, you know, trying to create the perfect body, whether that's in spiritual or physical form. Well, first of all, the um, try the obsession with anything generally comes from perfectionism. Um, I want to feel perfect. I want people to think I'm perfect. So I'm going to do and do and do until somebody tells me I'm perfect. And that's like, God is never going to tell you you're perfect here, but he's going to tell you you're wonderfully made. Mm. Um, but anyway, going back to that perfectionism thing and the um, obsession that often comes from it. If I often tell my clients that if we were going to judge, complain, and criticize ourselves into perfection, it would have worked by now. What happens in the brain-body combo is that 
when we find something to complain about our, in ourselves, when we use that self-talk in our brain to, you know, say, I'm, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. Um, what we do is we cause our brains pain. We cause our whole selves pain. And what was I talking about before with the path from pain to comfort? Where's that going to go? That's just going to lead to more food. This is why so, in my opinion, so many people, that's why of that 80% of people who lose weight are going to gain it back again. Because that until that self-talk is changed, until that obsession is changed, the that that pain is going to continue to cause more pain, which makes it a lot harder to change that path. So the the danger with obsession, I think, has its roots in perfectionism. And until we trust God to make sure enough that we can believe we will be okay, not because of anything we've done, but because of his mercy, we're going to you know, just keep missing that boat, keep using the wrong path and or the, the least helpful path. Um, but there's there's another way and there's there's hope. And it, it's pretty cool because that's why that's why I talk about, um, you know, my work as not about necessarily weight loss. I mean, honestly, I use the word weight loss because of SEO and <laughs> search engines um, because that's what people are looking for. People are looking for Catholic weight loss. Um, and that's not quite what this is. If that happens incidentally, yay. But um, really, it's about the heart change and the food freedom, like to be able to <laughs> still to this day so far, um, I am always surprised when I like, you know, I started eating a chocolate, didn't feel like finishing it, put it away. And then like three weeks later, I find it still uneaten. Number one, <laughs> how did my dogs not find it? But number two, like, how did I forget? How did I forget chocolate? <laughs> how? Never in the my life had I forgotten chocolate before. Now it happens kind of on the regular, which I guess is also a testament to my scatterbrainedness, but it's also <laughs> a testament to how my, um, you know, my priorities have changed, that I'm more focused on God than the food, more focused on relationship than the food. And so, like, I think that's the the shift away from that lack of balance, that obsession with perfectionism. I feel like there's a relationship with food that especially that also needs healing, is that if you're turning to... If you're turning to food for for comfort rather than connection, like when you're out with with friends or whatever, and that takes a lot that takes a lot of work internally as well. I was working with um with a dietitian recently because I was so focused on like my caloric intake and like if I went over this number that this app told me <laughs> that like I had failed and like my whole day was shot and I undid all the good work that I had done. And she looks at me and she's like, "It's an app." Like it's a computer with a randomly generated number. Why are you letting it control your life? Let's focus on like getting you feeling better and like eating with balance. And I was like, it just blew my mind that I had completely forgotten about balance and and focusing more on the relationship with my husband and my kids sitting at the table and making sure everyone's eating with balance versus like, if I don't eat 656 calories at this meal and my macros are this, that, and the third... I want to go back to something that you said, though, about um, how we talk to ourselves and and constantly using negative language when we talk to her. Like you wouldn't go up to your friend and say, 
something horrible that you would to yourself in the mirror. Well, I know people who would, but oh. most, most people <laughs> most don't. Most people. <laughs> most people don't. So what about what about those of us who, who really struggle with that, like with with a negative body image or like yourself, you said you, you mentioned you had an eating disorder. How do we how do we balance and marry our faith to our wellness? I think it again comes down to being able to trust God fully with all outcomes because, well, let's put it this way. Um, one of the things I held on to bef- before I got into recovery um, was about my body image. And that's this fear that if I lost weight, it would draw attention to a part of my body that won't change when I lose weight, that doesn't change when I lose weight and is already, unfortunately, um, very attention getting. And I was scary and I'd rather just be a lump than be, you know, an object for people to look at. But the transformation that had to happen for me was that I would trust God that I would be okay no matter how people look at me, including myself. And so it had to get to a point where I trust God to protect me and keep me whole and restore me when people are staring at my body parts and not my eyes. And until I could get to a place where I trust God, I trust that God thinks I'm beautiful no matter how many people tell me I'm not or act like I'm not. And until I could get to that place. I was always pursuing somebody else's opinion when God's opinion will never change. You know, that's why like in my before and after picture, um, I know some people aren't fond of those, but I showed my before and after picture because my before picture, I looked really good. I looked lovely in that dress. That was such a cute purse. It was like, you know, it was a lovely picture. My makeup was on point that day. It was, you know, it was the whole thing. And you know, and then in my, you know, quote unquote, after picture, you know, yeah, 100 pounds are gone. And I still looked like I was lovely in both pictures. And anybody who was looking for reasons to complain about my body, including myself, wasn't looking in the right direction. There's another direction to look. We've unfortunately run out of time. But if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, you can listen to us anytime on Spotify under Candid Catholic Convos, or you can download this episode from our website at hbgdiocese.org. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org DAC and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.